Today has been such a sweet time during our worship times. Um, it's, just, it's really been a great morning. If you've got your Bible, please turn to 1 Timothy, uh, 1 Timothy chapter, chapter 3. We're going to have a look at one verse today. Uh, it's, a, it's a verse where uh, Paul writes to Timothy and he says to him, Hey, if people desire to be overseers or elders or um, to be, uh, to be uh, the King James Version says bishops, uh, then they desire a noble task. I was sharing with the, the eight uh, that uh, when I was at seminary, uh, I worked in a, a church where uh, I was a, a student pastor, and in this church, if you were a pastor, you were also an elder. And so uh, I was sitting in this meetings, or sitting in meetings with elders, um, and, um, and I was 20. And uh, I remember sitting in that meeting just thinking to myself, this is, uh, it's not only risky having this 20-year-old in this meeting, it's, it's actually probably unbiblical also because just because I'm studying theology doesn't mean I should be sitting with the elders. The Bible doesn't even say that. Um, and then uh, having qualified, sat with the elders as well. And, and I remember asking the guys, you know, guys, I don't think I should be here. I don't think I should be sitting in this meeting, you know. But, but to take me out of the meeting would actually mean changing the constitution of the church because all pastors became elders. That's what made you an elder. So we kind of had developed this extra biblical criteria to get elders. And the criteria was, have you got a theological degree? If you do, you become an elder. And the Bible doesn't say anything of that. In fact, the Bible's got other criteria that it uses. But then I remember one day, just in those meetings, just going, I know I shouldn't be here. I know that um, I'm sitting over here and the guy's expecting me to contribute like an elder. But I'm this 20-year-old who just a couple of months ago, I was still a teenager. And, uh, and the, like the next guy closer to me is 50. Um, and I, I don't know if I can contribute, but they're expecting me to contribute at that level. And I remember just going, and I wish and I dream that I can contribute like these guys and I can lead like these guys and um, I can make a difference like these guys. And what was happening in my heart was this aspiration was starting to develop for being an elder. Even although I was a younger, um, that God was preparing my heart for that. And I came across the scripture in 1 Timothy. I remember reading it for the first time and just see where it says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And I remember just thinking, God, I, I mean, I've been thinking that it's wrong. I've been thinking that the dream to be an elder is wrong because I'm feeding my own ego that, oh, I just want to be noticed. I just want to also go to work the next day or go to seminary the next day or go to my friends the next day and go, you know, got late night last night with the elders. Um, you know, we struggled through some difficult things, you know, me and the elders, um, you know, I, I, and, and I realized actually that God himself puts the aspiration there. That's God who did that. Um, because not everyone aspires to do that. Not everybody aspires to be an, an elder or an overseer or a leader. Or, and so somewhere it starts with God stirring our hearts there. And, uh, and so Paul writes this to Timothy because Timothy was probably one who had the aspiration but felt insecure in that. Felt like, oh, I can't really go for this. In, in one occasion, Paul has to say to Timothy, fan into flame the gifts that you've been given. Hey, Timothy, don't let people look down on you because you're young. And I realized perhaps that you know, through the writings of Paul, God was speaking to me. It's his word anyway, so he was speaking to me in that. This office of eldership is probably one of the oldest offices, uh, most ancient offices in, in the scriptures. The Jews had elders. Moses set aside 
70 men to lead the people of Israel while they were still in the wilderness. And what they would do is they would look after um, worship, especially when Israel started worshiping in synagogues. They would oversee and preside over the worship of God in the synagogues. They would oversee the, the organization of the synagogues. They'd oversee um, discipline and rebuking people. And the elders in Jewish times would also oversee civilian matters also, not only confined to religious matters, but also to the whole community. Elders would look after that. They look after disputes amongst people and where two people who are Jewish, two Jewish people couldn't agree on something, the elders would try to help them. Where the neighboring nations were taking each other to court and suing each other, the elders were the ones helping the Jews to avoid that in order to give God the glory. And later on in the New Testament, we're told that we should not take other believers to court. Instead, we should go to the elders and ask them to, to preside over that and for, ask for godly wisdom so that we don't treat people the way that unbelievers treat people. But the Jews were not the only people who did that. If you have a look at the Spartans, they did it as well. They had a group called the Gerousia, who literally means the board of elder men. The Romans had the Senate, which comes from a Latin word, which means old man. In England, there were people who were asked to lead communities. They were called aldermen, which literally means the elder man. And uh, in some countries today, you still, every year, you nominate and you vote for somebody to be the alderman of your district. Uh, if you go to Chicago every year, they vote for somebody to be the alderman of their district, kind of like our ward councillor. And that person, alderman, literally means the elder man or the older man who would look after the affairs of the people. The New Testament uses two words for elder, and one of them literally means elder, older. The other one is translated as bishop. And, uh, and that's where we get bishop from. This is more of a presiding officer or overseer or supervisor in the Greek version of the New Testament because the Greek, the New Testament was written in Hebrew first. And as we move into New Testament times, the Jewish people couldn't speak Hebrew anymore. Imagine that. You're Hebrew, but you can't speak Hebrew. And so the, the Bible was translated into Greek. And in that version, this word is used. It's used to describe people who would oversee civilian matters and make sure that, um, that infrastructure was built and, and that the city would be able to work properly and effectively. The Greeks would speak about this kind of person who would go out from the mother city to outlying areas or settlements where the Greek um, people wanted to establish other cities. It's quite interesting if you think about that in the context of church planting, that the same word that we would use for elders to look after a church plant is what Greeks would use for city plants. They would take these men, they would call them elders, the same thing that the scripture calls elders in church. These men would go out from the mother city and establish other cities where they go. And you have a look at how it was used in Rome. It was used to describe the magistrate who would make sure that people were not being ripped off in the markets and that people weren't stealing from each other. It was used as, to describe special delegations who would go out from the king, who'd go out for his purposes um, to, to make sure that they could establish his law. As these people went out, there are two things that are common as we have a look at what elders did in the um, early New Testament time and what they did in the church. This is what they had. This elder always implied, always, oversight over some area or sphere of work. Always. They're, it's not just, oh, we have oversight. Of what? Well, I have oversight. No, no, I have oversight over something specific. So if you follow me on the thinking on that one over there is, if an elder is meant to have oversight over something specific, he's an elder, specifically, if we come to church, elders have 
specific oversight over specific areas of Christ's kingdom, which means that you need to know who those people are that you have oversight over. So I don't have oversight over every Christian in the city. The elders in our church don't have oversight over every believer in the city. We have oversight over a specific group of people, specifically Sterling Baptist Church, which means that for us to know who the specific group of Sterling Baptist is, people need to connect in with Sterling Baptist, which means that's a great case for church membership right there. If you're not a church member and you're going like, yeah, I like Sterling. I've been here for 10 years. Actually, you need to become a member because we need to know, are we specifically caring for you? Are, do, do, are we responsible for you? Or, or are, are we responsible for you, you know, today, but next week it's another pastor who's responsible for you. And, and then you don't like the sermon here, so another pastor is responsible for you on that side. But how do we do this? Is There's a specific area of oversight. Secondly, that these men had responsibility to a higher authority, whether it was the emperor, whether it was the king, or in our case, King Jesus, our great emperor, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. Elders in the New Testament had oversight over specific areas, specific people, but also they had responsibility to another, that as elders, we bow our knee to a greater authority, to the authority of Jesus Christ. He's our king, and we bow to his authority. And so in the church setting, elders are not meant to be the end in themselves. They're not meant to be the guys who make all decisions. And you as church members, your role is to fulfill their needs. And basically, we use you as cannon fodder. No, it's not, that's not what it is. We bow our knees to Jesus, all of us. As elders, we lead responsibly. And as people, all of us, we follow well to those who are in authority over us. All of us have those who are in authority over us. You have those in authority over you in the church. I have those in authority over me in the church. And all of us have Christ who's in authority over all of us. So I want us to just think about the scripture this morning. If we can go back one slide over there um, quickly. Take a look at the scripture. It says the tr this saying is trustworthy. Paul has got five of these trustworthy sayings um, through these pastoral letters. And this is the third one. He says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, this, this word aspire or aspiration, it, it's more than just you dream of doing it, right? It's, it's more than that. It's, it's, it's aspiring and actually bringing your life in line in order to get there. You might not get there, but in order to get there, you're bringing your life in line. Example, I'd love to climb Mount Everest. I'd really love to do it. Anybody has 750,000 rand, they want to sponsor me, I'll be here afterwards, all right? Just, I don't know if you brought it with you in your you know, your pocket, but um, 750,000 bucks to get up Everest. Chances are I'm never going to do that, okay? I'd love to do it. I, I dream of doing it. The difference between dreaming and aspiring is, even although I know I might not do it, if I aspired to do it, I'd be training every day to do it. I'd be taking my money and applying it into um, clothes to wear when I climb the mountain, even knowing that I might not ever climb it. I'm training to climb it. I'm, I'm learning whatever I can about the mountain. That's aspiring to do it. Versus others who go, I want to do it. I have the money. Let me pay. Then I'll do it. You have those who aspire to do it, and they bring their lives in line with the dream. That's what this is. I aspire to be an overseer, and slowly I'm bringing my life in line. I'm finding that I'm falling in love with God's people. I'm falling in love with Jesus more. I'm falling in love with the care for God's people. I'm finding that the things that are mentioned in Scripture that elders do, I'm just doing them. Even although I'm not officially an elder, I love to do 
these things and I'm bringing my life in line so that I can do those things. So that even without the stamp of authority, I'm still doing those things. That's what that word aspiration means. And it says this, if you desire this, you desire a noble task. Sometimes we get mixed up between the desire being noble and the task being noble. And we think that it's not a noble thing because we think actually the desire to be a leader, that's not noble. Because that feeds your ego. And that's you wanting to puff your own chest out. And that's you wanting to be the big shot. But what Paul's actually saying is if you desire to be an, an, an elder, being an elder is a noble task. Yes, you desire to do it. The thing you're desiring is a noble thing that you desire. It's a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. The, the, the original word actually means that. It means good, virtuous, beautiful. You desire something like that. So why desire this office of eldership? And as you saw just now, you shot through the slides a bit too quick over there. Let me show you what some of the false assumptions that we make about eldership. And if I had to say to you, some of you today, um, say, hey guys, what do you think of being an elder? You might choose some of these things. You go like, hang on, the elders are all yes men. Or in good old South African, they're all yabrus. That's, that's elders. I don't want to be an elder because they're all yes men. Um, you know, when you think of the elders, you, you have this picture like, oh, the group of guys that come together in this room. Matt walks in, they all stand. Matt goes, good morning, man. They're like, good morning, Pastor Francis. They all sit down. He sits at the head of the table, and uh, I kind of do, but that's because there's no other chair. So either way you want to have a look at it, it could be the bottom of the table or the head of the table. I'm not so sure. And, uh, and then in your mind, you see Matt arriving with this piece of paper with everything written on it. You will do this and this and this. And I pass it around and everyone looks at it and they're like, yes, sir. Three bags full, sir. And then Matt goes, all right, meeting over. They all get up and they all walk out backwards. Like, yes, sir. And they all walk out. And then these men who are all Yabrus in this meeting move out. And as soon as they cross the threshold out of the office, they walk out. These men who have leading and stature and courage in the community. Men who are doctors, entrepreneurs and um, teachers and principals and um, men who, have, who, who can say yes and who can say no out there. But as soon as we put them in a meeting as elders, they're like, oh, no, we're Yabrus. No, well, I just want you to know it doesn't actually work like that. It, it, it really doesn't. I, I think probably one of the best things for church membership, one of the best things would be like people become members. What you have to do is there's two things. One, you have to be part of a ministry time where demons are cast out of people. That's one. Then you just recognize that there are actually other authorities out there. And number two, you should sit in an elders meeting. Because when you sit in an elders meeting, you realize actually the heart of the guys who are leading, that they love and they care for the people that they're leading. Also, you get to see that vision comes from the group. Accountability is in the group. That it isn't one person pushing a vision over 10 other people or 11 other people. And all those people going like, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full. So it doesn't work like that. At least in a healthy church, it doesn't work like that. In, in churches that are not healthy, maybe it does work like that. But in a healthy church, that's not the way that it works. And so it's almost... That's why I say it's a false assumption because the assumption, the assumption degrades those who are there. Because these are men who, whose yes is yes and whose no is no in, in the business world and in their families. But the assumption that they're a bunch of yabrus when they become elders and uh, yes sir, no. I mean, what does that say to their integrity? That they can't say no? They, no, no. The conversation is robust. The conversation is good. The conversation um, is sometimes hard for us to hear some of our points of view. But... 
It's about honoring God together. And when that's finished, the vision and the dream and what our common opinion is, is being birthed in the brotherhood. That's what it means to be part of a team of elders. So definitely not Yabri. Secondly, that being an elder is a burden. Like, oh my goodness, I've got to come to another meeting. I can't come to another meeting during the week. I can't come to, I don't want to come to, I've got to be at every single church service. Are you saying, I mean, it's fine for us to have like a rotation. There's 12 elders, there's three services. Maybe we come to one in four, like, I don't know, one week, every four weeks, come once a month. We can do that. Um, but I, this, this whole thing of coming to church every week, being there early to pray beforehand, sometimes having to pray for the preacher. I mean, can't we rather pay somebody to do that? Um, do I have to pray for people to be healed? Do you know how inconvenient that is? People come forward, they're like, please pray. I'm going to the doctor. I need you to pray for me. We're like, I just, I'm like, can you smell the burgers? I want to go and eat. Can we, can I please go? And it's this massive burden. No, 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 it's not. It's not. Because I wish you could see into this world that. We get to do officially what everybody else is meant to do anyway. We get to pray for people officially, like the, the lady who comes and says, I can barely walk. I, I need help. Please, will you pray for me? Um, I, could, I couldn't sit through the service. My leg is in so much pain. I, I can't, I'm lying, I've been lying on my bed for weeks. I can't move. We pray for her. If she phones us during the week. You're not going to believe it. I can walk. My leg is healed. I'm walking around the block now. I'm sitting in church. I can stand or the guy who's going for, um, for a checkup with the, the, the specialist to check his kidneys because he's told that his kidneys are not functioning, that he's in kidney failure. And he comes forward, he goes, guys, this is, it totally floored me. I'm in kidney failure. Please pray for me. We get to officially do what everybody should be doing anyway and anoint him with oil and pray for him. And then we hear the next week, he's like, you're not going to believe this. I went into the doctor's surgery, had a look, and he was like, I'm sure this is the wrong file. There's nothing wrong with you. We, that's what we get to do. Burden? No. That's not a burden. That's not a burden at all. Being an elder is not a, if you're desiring this, you're not, and you're stepping back from that desire because it's a burden. You've got a false assumption. It is not a burden. It, it, it really isn't. The next one is that elders are fakes. We get this from the newspapers that we're reading because we see how those in church leadership have done such a shocking job of representing the character of Jesus. And they've done a bad job. Uh, we, and I would say maybe sometimes we've done a bad job. Uh, but I want you to know two things on this one is, is one, just because you're an elder doesn't make you perfect. You're a human being like everybody else. You're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to sin. Just like those who sit behind the first row are going to do the same thing. You will also, well, I mean, maybe you don't, but we do, right? We're going to sin. We're going to make mistakes. We're going to let people down. As I'll tell you later, it is different because those who are elders get judged with a different level of strictness. And that's fine. That's what you sign up for. But the other thing that we need to know on this one over here is that we've really been shaped by, and our thinking on this is not being shaped by Scripture. Our thinking on this has perhaps been shaped too much by media. Where we read the stories and we see the feeds coming through on Facebook and we, we see the stories in the, in the newspaper and, and, and they're all about how this church's leadership have stolen money. Or this leader has intentionally stolen money. That's okay, don't worry. Hello. Hi. Yep. I know, I'm nervous too. Shame. Perhaps you want to play inside the mom's room. It's just around the corner over there. Maybe somebody can show you where that is. All right, so we've got media that shapes our thinking and pastors and and leadership who steal 
from the congregation, um, intentionally stealing from the congregation. The congregation doesn't know that the leadership was stealing, or perhaps uh, the leadership is intentionally stealing and the people are voluntarily giving their money to the, co- to the, to the leadership and the leadership are misusing those funds. And, and so we get these stories and we think, we take this story and we go, well, that's what it's like for everyone. If they are misusing funds in that church, they must be misusing funds in my church. If that pastor is doing that in that church, our pastor must be doing it in our church. I remember being part of a team once where one of the, the people on the team had a moral failure and um, had to leave the team. And weeks later, somebody came to me and said, how do I know that the rest of you are not doing the same thing? I said, uh, what, what do you mean? How do you know that the rest of us are not doing the same thing? Well, how do I know that you and the other people on the team are not doing the very same thing that that person's doing? And I wanted to say, I mean, how do you see this working? Do you see us coming to a staff meeting on Tuesday and, and you know, the leader gets up and says, guys, just before the staff meeting, you've got an hour of sin. You go and you'll be all back here at nine o'clock. Let's take it eight to nine. You go flat out. You sin, do whatever you want. We'll come back here and then we'll overlook all of that. Is that how you see that working? But what happens is it's like a color run. The person next to you gets smashed with a, a ball of colored powder and you get it on yourself as well. It hits you too. And so what we do is we kind of paint people or leadership with the brush and we're like, well, all elders are fakes or eldership is burdensome and all elders are yabras or yes men, but that's false. The truth is, number one, that eldering is a call from God. Eldering is a call from God himself. Acts 2, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. We don't make ourselves elders. We don't call ourselves to that position. God starts doing that. And friends, it happens in the seedbed of aspiration. You want to know where does that aspiration come from? That's the beginning of call. This is a call. God calls you into this. Secondly, eldering is difficult. James chapter 3 and verse 1. Not many of you should presume or uh, should become teachers. My brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Now he's speaking specifically to teachers here, but the Bible says all elders must be able to teach. So that includes all elders as well. So it, don't, don't just assume that you're going to become a teacher. Or don't, not everybody must want to become a teacher because you must know that those who teach get judged with greater strictness than others. If you've ever been in a position of leadership, you'll know that. You know those old sayings, you know, the tallest trees get the greatest wind, la, 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 which means absolutely nothing if you're sitting in the tallest tree. You're just like, I'm getting the most wind over here. But the Bible says this, that if you're in a position of leadership, especially in church leadership, you're going to be judged more strictly than others. John Ortberg once said, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you'll never find where God called someone to an easy task. Just think about this. God will never call you to an easy task. Do you know why God will never call you to an easy task? Because if it's easy, you can do it without Him. The reason why God calls you is because it's a difficult thing. And when God calls you to a difficult thing, He gets the glory out of it. It can only be Him. I mean, He gets the glory out of the easy stuff, but that can easily be like confused. Like, is this Him or is this God? But when it's something difficult, they're going like, that oak in that position of leadership, only God. Only God. When you see that guy and, you know, and all he's doing is something menial, we're like, oh, well, that's him. But when God does something great, it's just God. No, no, we know that guy. It's only God. Only God. Now, Gideon, the guy's threshing wheat in a wine press. And a wine press is like a big porta pool. And, and he's threshing wheat in that. You need wind for wheat to be threshed. He's hiding away, threshing wheat. And God comes, a mighty man of valor. 
Me. Me. Yes, you. Me. Yes. Yes, you. Okay, I want you to go take out the enemies of God. Oh, really? Yeah, go get an army together. Uh, uh, I don't know if I can do it. Just go and do it. Thousands of people join. Thousands. God goes, this is what you're going to do. Go tell everyone. If you don't want to fight, you're a coward. You've just got married. You don't, you're not really into this battle thing. You can go home. He's like, can I do that as well? No, not you. I called you. Okay, okay everybody, who wants to go home? Tons of people put up their hands. They all go home. Whoa. It's just got a whole lot smaller. All right, now this is what you do. Take the guys for a drink of water. So they go out. And, and, and some of the guys, they're so thirsty, they've got their whole head in the, in the stream. They, they're sucking up the water. Other guys, they're like, yeah, I'm a bit worried. This guy's drinking so much over here. Somebody could kill him. So he's watching, and he's drinking with his mouth. And God comes up and says, this is what you're going to do. Everyone who drank with his hand, you keep. Everybody else, send him home. And he ends up with like a handful, a couple of hundred guys, to fight an army that's so big. It's bigger than all the sand on the seashore. It looks like their camels are sand on the sea. There's so many of them on the seashore goes into battle, and they win. What do you think Gideon does the next day? Well, guys, that was me. I mean, that was all me. No, no, no. People look at that, and they go, only God. In fact, God explains it to him. And I want you to know that if I had done this with the thousands, you could have been confused and thought it was you. In fact, I did it with so many because people need to know this is me. God never calls us to something easy. He calls us to stuff that's difficult, and being an elder is difficult at times. It is hard, but that's what God's called you to. I remember Karina Cronier, who was the first mom of our Breath of Life place of safety. She said this. I'll never, ever forget it. She said, God never, ever calls the equipped. He always equips the called. Friends, and that's what it's about. But thirdly, eldering is a joy. I don't know if I should say it is a joy or it can be a joy because this is what Hebrews says. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, so that their leadership function will be a joy, so that their task of eldering will be a joy, not a burden. So the way you submit to those and respect those in leadership has a direct result on how that role is a burden. Remember false assumption number two. Second one, on the joy of actually doing it. It can be a joy because when you're leading people and they're submitting to that and they're following that, it's a joy. But when you come and you're trying to lead people and God's leading you in a direction and, and you're trying to lead people and they're like, there's no way I'm doing this. There's no way. I will not do it. I will not. It's not a joy anymore. Any of you ever farmed with sheep or shepherded sheep? Not farmed with sheep because there can be a difference. Anyone ever shepherded sheep here? Like literally, you try to move a whole lot of sheep in a direction. One. Okay, there were, there's about three of us in the whole church, three of you. I've never done this. But this is what I'm told. And I'm not talking about leading sheep with a dog or with a goat. Because that's important. Because, see, sheep think a goat is a sheep. And, and the goat thinks it's a goat. And so when you're leading, you lead the goat, and all the sheep follow the goat. But if you don't have a goat, all the sheep think they're sheep. And they're, all the sheep just go their own way. And that's why Jesus tells the story of a hundred sheep go out, and you come back, and it's like 97, 98, 99, 199. 1, 2, 3, 4, 97, 98, 99. And then it says this. So he locks the sheep away, right? And then goes out to find the other one. Here's the emphasis. Lock them away. Do you know why? Because if you don't lock them away, you'll come back and there'll be 38 sheep. 
And so he goes out and he finds the other sheep and he puts it on his shoulders. He comes walking back and bang, now he's got his 100 sheep again. In New Testament times, shepherds would actually take a sheep that continually, a lamb that continually strayed, would take that lamb and break its leg. And then he would carry that lamb until the leg healed. And when that sheep, that lamb, could then walk again, he would put it next to him and the lamb would never leave its side because now it's learned the voice of the shepherd. It's learned that intimacy of the shepherd and would stay with the shepherd. That's a crazy thing. Jesus says, you and me, we're all like sheep and we all go our own way and we all stray in our own sin. I mean, that's really tough. But Jesus, he's the great shepherd. So that's fantastic because he's God. And, you know, sometimes and only God can shepherd sheep. And then God says to elders, I want you to shepherd God's flock. Really? Really? While I'm a sheep going my own way, I need to be able to shepherd your sheep and keep them from going astray. And God's like, yep. You see, that kind of is like Gideon. You, I'm the one hiding away and you want me to take on? Yes, because I'm going to show my great power here. I'm going to show how great I am. And it's a joy when you're leading God's people, believing what God has called you to do. You're in a team of elders who, who've sought out the Lord and together we've discerned that's where we go. And God's people are like, we are in. Let's go. It's such a joy. For those who lead, it's like, man, this confirms we've heard from God. But there are churches where the leaders will come and say, guys, we have this great vision. We want to you know, reach out to the elderly over there. And we, you know, we feel like there's like 20 elderly people that can't worship. We're going to buy a bus and we're going to bring those people in here. And then somebody goes, well, I don't think we should buy a bus because no one has a driver's license for that. And so I don't think we should buy the bus. And then they start talking amongst their friends. And then there's a members meeting. And, and then suddenly the members meeting is full of people who never come to church because they're just not there. But they were members and, and now they're not there. And then there's the big vote. And then those who don't want the bus vote against the bus. And those who've been praying and heard God for the bus have to walk out and go, okay, well, we won't get the bus. There's no joy in that. But it can be a joy, and it is. But here's the next one, and let this be a reminder for you guys, your elders, for us. Because, Trevor, eldering is rewarded. God will reward us. Matthew 28 and verse 23, there will come a day where Jesus says, well done, good and faithful servant. As hard as it is, and as tough as it can be at times, well done, good and faithful servant. So this is what elders are, and this is why we do this. But what do elders oversee? What is their role? Elders oversee three things, essentially. Number one, they oversee the organization of church. They they oversee how this thing works because church is both an organism, that's the second thing they lead, but it's also an organization. Uh, it, it really is. And, and unfortunately, that's what happens. And so elders have to make sure that, hey, we see another ministry happening. We, we see that we've got a whole lot of more teenagers or children. We need another pastor there. We, got, we want to really reach into an untapped group of, of people, you know, the elderly. We think we must get a pastor for them. We, we're noticing that God's doing something in our worship ministry. We, we need to have somebody who's really qualified for that. Um, we're noticing that uh, as the money's coming in, we, we need to be able to spend it wisely. Let's put a team in place there. Essentially, that's what happened in Acts chapter 6. The apostles, they're getting accused. There's two groups of widows, the Grecian widows and the Hebraic, and, and the ones saying to the other one, you, you didn't provide food for us, and we're not getting food. And this is six chapters into church, by the way. Six chapters. There's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Six chapters in, the church is having a dispute. Right? 
and Luke records that. I mean, this is something, if you knew that your memoirs were going to be, become God's word, this is something you don't include in there. We just want to show how good our church is. No, no, they include it in there. And they say, well, we're not getting food. Now, notice what happens. The apostles don't say to the people, listen, we don't care about the older people, okay? We don't care about the widows. We really don't care. You deal with it. They don't say that. They say this. Guys, our role is different. You appoint six people, six men, full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit, and let them run with this. Notice, we see a problem. We empower people. Let them run with it. That's what elders do. We see it. We organize it. We let them run with it. Why? Because we love those people. But we can't be everything to all people. So let's empower people to serve people. And so they look after the organization of church and make sure that it's done well. But church is not just an organization. It's also an organism. And this is where elders are called to look after the people because we are the body of Christ. We're, we're a living, breathing body of Christ. Romans chapter 12, verse 5 and 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says that we are the body. Christ is the head. And so in the same way, this body of Christ ministers, that Jesus went to be with the Father and he left his body here on earth. We represent Christ wherever we go. So let's make sure that we're well prepared for that. The Bible says when one of us cry in the body, all of us cry. When one rejoices, all of us rejoice. The elders are the ones who are meant to look after that body and look after the people. So the organization and the organism. But what about this one? We're also called to look after the church as a vessel of God's mission vision. What's God's mission vision? From the beginning of the Old Testament to the end of the New Testament, you'll find God doing this, calling out for himself a group of people. That's what God does. He's calling out for himself and creating a people where he can be their God and they can be his people. That's what God's called Missio Dei. God is calling out and making a people for himself. It was the people of Israel, and now it's the church. God's called out people to be part of his, his name. And that's why when you come to know Christ, God didn't save you to be an individual island all by yourself. God saved you into community. He didn't save you into isolation. God saved you into community. And this is the vision that we've been given. Jesus says this to his followers. He says, truly I say to you, this is John 14. Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I'm going to be with the Father. Remember, there's a bit of confusion about this one. And what does that mean? Jesus walked on water. I'll walk around the earth on the water. Greater things than these. What does it actually mean? As the church, we get to minister, not give. We get to minister the complete atoning work of Jesus and forgiveness of God. That didn't happen when Jesus was here. Because while Jesus was here, he had not yet died on the cross. So Jesus dies on the cross, rises from the dead, goes to be with the Father, then says to us, you go do it. We get to do something that, in a sense, is better. We get to minister the complete forgiveness of Christ. We get to minister complete reconciliation. We get to do this. We get to plunder the gates of hell. And pull people out of slavery to sin and take them along a journey and seat them at the table with the Father where they can eat around the table of our great God and Father as children. Not as people captive to sin, blind in sin, deaf in sin, lame in sin. We get to plunder the gates of hell and take people out. And no other organization can do that. 
any other organization that does well on the planet, any other organization, any NGO that does good work, they cannot plunder the gates of hell and take souls out of that th- or off the threshold of hell and give them a place at the Father's table. We're called to do that. We are called to go and be that vessel. And as elders, guys, we shepherd that vision. It's something worth living for. That's something worth dying for. Because the church is not the country club that we are trustees of or the board of directors of the country club that could later be sold 10 years down the road to a shopping mall to build shops on the property. We shepherd the church of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, I will build my church, not you. You just shepherd it. I will build my church and the gates of hell of Hades and hell will not prevail against it. So if we get to lead, guys. We've been given this ministry of reconciliation. The church is the hope of the world. Acts chapter 2 says, listen to this. This is the picture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together. They had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to everyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. Why? Because of the awe of God and a love for one another. They broke bread in their homes and they ate with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God and enjoying the favor of the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Those who were being plundered from the gates of hell. God added to their number daily those who were being saved. Bill Hubble says it like this and I think this captures it so well. I believe that the church is the hope of the world, he says. I believe to the core of my being that local church leaders have the potential, elders, have the potential to be the most influential force on planet earth. If they get it and get on with it, churches can become the redemptive centers that Jesus intended them to be. Dynamic teaching, creative worship, deep community, effective evangelism, and joyful service will combine to renew the hearts and minds of seekers and believers alike, strengthening families, transforming communities, and change the world. That, to me, sounds like something worth living and worth dying for. As I close out here, two things. One is how the, how the elder oversees. Here it is. Acts chapter 2, verse 28 to 31. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to the flock in which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. This is your call to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you. Those from outside will come, not sparing the flock. From, and from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things, or as Timothy later says, or earlier says, speculations, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night and day to admonish everyone with tears. You'll see these five things in that. You'll see that we shepherd by leading, we shepherd by feeding, we shepherd by loving, we shepherd by guarding, and we shepherd by exemplifying, being the example. That's what happens in that text over there. Those five things. Now, if church leadership is a noble task, Surely biblical followership is too. If it's a noble thing to desire to lead, 
Surely it's also a noble thing to follow those who are in leadership. It's just as noble to follow those who are leading. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority. 1 Thessalonians verse chapter 5 and verse 12 to 13 says, Respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 17, Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in preaching and in teaching. Friends, there's a very small group that that verse in 1 Timothy chapter 3 applies to, specifically verse 1. It specifically applies to men who aspire to be elders. God's word is saying to you, if you aspire to be like that, if you're aspiring to be an elder, you need to know that God has given you an aspiration towards a noble task. Not a burden, not to be something fake, but to be something noble. This is a noble task. You get to lead the body of Christ. You get to do something that will last forever, better than any business plan that you could ever have. This is the church of Jesus Christ. This business plan has been going for 2,000 years. You get to lead that. You get to plunder not the wallets of people in your city. You get to plunder the very gates of hell and take people out of that. That's what the church is here for, the hope of the world. So I'll ask you these three questions as we close. One, for that small group of men, if you desire to be an elder, start preparing yourself. Start preparing yourself. Start spending time in God's word, growing as a leader. Start engaging in church, falling more in love with church, more in love with Jesus. Start observing leadership and see how that works. Make sure that, that you're here and you're present, not only on Sundays, but that you're present to see how church is led. Ask those who are in leadership if you can perhaps go with them when they're shepherding God's people, either maybe hospitals, homes, wherever. Hey, can, can you help me grow in this? But secondly, this is not just for those men who desire eldership. This is for everybody here, men and women, young and old. Do you aspire perhaps or desire to be in leadership in the local church? From a Sunday school leader to a small group leader to a youth leader to a worship leader. Because that desire to be there in that position of leadership, that's God ordained. God gave you that. Not everybody's desiring that. There are some of you who are like, nah, I'm not, I don't really, I have no desire to be a leader of anything. I'm, I want to follow. Not everybody desires that. And if, you're, if you've got that desire, like I really want to pass on my faith to somebody. I want to serve in the local church. I'd love to lead a team. I, I feel like God is calling me to that. I want you to know it's in the seedbed of those aspirations that call grows out of. And so if you're sensing that, trust the Lord because call might be coming out of that. But thirdly, are you aspiring to follow well? And this is the last one. Are you aspiring to follow well? Because all of us should be following like that. All of us. You, me, those who are elders in our church, those who are not elders in our church, following well. For us as elders to be following each other because we're called to lead each other and shepherd each other. For us as a congregation to, I'm going to submit to those in authority. I'm going to, I'm going to follow them well. I'm going to support them. I'm going in for this. 
for those of us as a, for us as a church to follow what God has told us as a church and to go hard for that. Remember that to lead is noble, but to follow is just as noble. Because you can't all be the goat. <laughs> We're all sheep. We need to be shepherded. Those who lead well, there will come a day where God says, well done, good and faithful servant. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, I know that, uh, Lord, while we have great leaders in our church, Lord, I just know that right across the congregation, our congregations, you know, those who you're speaking to and those who you're dropping the, the seeds of, of call into that seedbed of aspiration, and they don't even know why. They, they're not involved in anything, but they just, every now and again, they just think, man, I would, I'd love to lead a small group. I'd love to lead a Sunday school class. I just feel like I've got it to, I'd love to be an elder one day. I see what they do. I'd love to do that. God, I pray that you would fan into flame that call in Jesus' name. Lord, for those who are, are dreaming of, of being elders specifically, God, I pray, come and uh, speak clearly there. Call them out, Lord. Give them opportunities to serve. Make that service visible to us. Let it be seen by the church. Let it be seen that these people love the church. They love Jesus and they love his vision. But God, I do want to pray that as a church, we would keep this foremost in our mind, that it is noble to follow, and we want to follow well, all of us. We want to follow well. Lord, help us to do that. Help us as elders to lead your church well, Jesus. And help us to follow well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.